and welcome back to Real Clear with Dr. Klein, the crossroads of politics and psychology. If you would like to listen to ad-free episodes and have access to daily and weekly releases, essays, and other membership perks, and you also want to help in the production of this program, go to realclearpodcast.com and click subscribe. There are a lot of places in this world where you can put your money, and so I thank you for considering membership to realclearpodcast.com. I hope you enjoy this next episode. Hey folks, welcome back to Thinking Kind Podcast. I'm welcoming myself back also. It's been a few months. I bought and sold a house in different regions of the country, which is a very involved process, as many of you understand. I'll describe some of the details therein in an upcoming episode that I'll record this coming Friday, May 27th, with one of my favorite authors in the world, J. Howard Kunstler, where we talk about the inanity of suburbia and many other things, I'm sure. Today, I'm joined by Dr. John Jaquish, who is the founder of Jaquish Biomedical and the inventor of X3 Fitness Program, which I use and we'll talk about today, as well as the osteo-loading programs that he's invented, uh, which are used and endorsed by such figures as Tony Robbins and others. Dr. Jaquish works with NFL teams uh, and numerous professional athletes. He's very well known in the field. He's been called the Tony Stark of fitness. I hope you like this this discussion. Um, nothing that we talk about should be taken as medical advice. However, of course, if you're going to make health decisions, you need to be consulting your physician or qualified uh, medical professional. Okay, folks, thanks for waiting. I'm glad you're tuning in again. And as a reminder, I haven't reminded you of this in a long time, but if you would like to support the work that I'm doing, if you like what you're hearing and you think you benefit, go to patreon.com or locals and search for Thinking Kind. You'll see my face pop up. I hope that doesn't deter you. And then you can uh, become a subscriber. Okay, folks, let's get into it. I'm joined today by Dr. John Jaquish, the founder and director of X3 Fitness Bar, and we'll explain more about what that is. Dr. Jaquish, welcome to Thinking Kind. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm actually the inventor. It's, uh, the, the company is much larger. The company is Jaquish Biomedical, and it has uh, many products. Uh, and you know, some we've talked about uh, in the past, uh, the bone density medical devices, and then the, the X3 as a fitness physical therapy type intervention. And I'm interested in all of those things. Uh, I came across your company and, um, or at least the company you founded as well as some of the products uh, a few months ago. And I thought it would be interesting to have you on. It's, it's um, unorthodox for my podcast to venture into this direction. You know, I'm usually talking about things philosophical, things psychological, etc. But I am also a fitness enthusiast, have been for a long time in my life, really since age, I don't know, when I hit puberty, I started working out, <laughs> go figure. Sure. And uh, the first um, workout machine that I used was one of those old weeder uh, uh, benches, multifunction benches. Yep. And my parents sure. got that for me because they didn't want me to hurt myself with free weights. And they knew I was too young to be hoisting up free weights. And um, I think they were quite wise. And, but it was one of those old resistance band machines where you, you put extra bands on it on different areas and different joints on the machine. <laughs> you know, none of it worked sure. great, but it was my first introduction. And sure. 
And I, um, I became very involved in, in free weights uh, through college and, and throughout my 20s. And the reason I wanted to have you on today, Dr. Jayquish, is because uh, you founded, um, uh, you invented X3, and you have been on the ground for uh, a lot of interesting research regarding uh, weightlifting and, and, uh, and fitness devices, that, which you'll explain. And your uh, invention of X3 is the first uh, product that I have been able to use that has been effective and that I've been able to sustain and that I've seen growth with. And I was so inspired by it that I wanted to reach out and see if you'd come on and talk with me and you were gracious enough to do so. And I'll tell all the listeners here, I have no um, stock or, um, or any kind of, uh, right. secondary benefit in X3. This is just a random podcast that I'm having because I'm a fitness enthusiast. And, you know, I think at this time, uh, everyone is looking for a way to reverse what happened during the pandemic. Sure. And so tools like this are essential for everybody. So tell us a bit about um, everything, yourself, X3, your fitness philosophies and the science behind it to provide the American public, would you? Sure, yeah. I, I got started in life sciences because my mother was diagnosed with osteoporosis. and She felt like it was a very young diagnosis for her. Uh, and she read about the statistics uh, in regards to fragility fracture. If you're over 50 and you have a hip fracture, you have a 50% chance of death within one year. Mm. And, uh, you know, 50s, young. And, uh, like, I think a lot of people think osteoporosis, and they think elderly, frail people. No, no, uh, it's, it's pretty much most women get to the point where they're, they have some risk factors uh, after menopause. Mm-hmm. And uh, then some men, especially with uh, basically how weak our society has become, physically weak, uh, we have problems. Men, men are having problems, and, and more women are, are even having problems with it. Uh, so I wanted to address it without pharmaceuticals. Uh, so, like, I told my mom, like, I, I think I have an idea. <laughs> But uh, I got to test a bunch of stuff first. So, you know, she, I don't know how comforting I was back then. I was a student. So she sort of shrugged her shoulders and she said, well, anything you can find out would be great. And so I decided I was going to regenerate her bone mass with the emulation of high impact forces. Because that's how we build bone in the first place. Uh, little kids are always getting high impact absorbed in the bone mass. And so, you know, like you're in a house with little kids, like a hard, a house of hardwood floors and the little kids sound like elephants. Like they're just pounding their feet against the ground. And, you know, you look at him and you're thinking this kid weighs 50 pounds. He sounds like he weighs 500 when he's like running down the, down the hallway. Well, little kids welcome high impact. They actually, their biomechanics are such where they get, the most high impact through the most bone mass. And as we age and become physically larger, we get cushioned impact. So like a little kid, when they run the heel strike, an adult when, when running, and I mean actual running, not like jogging or, 
you know, just sort of cardio. Um, when you're, you're sprinting, you, your weight's always on the balls of your feet. Your heels never touch the ground. So um, I looked at, at where we build bone density in the first place, and I thought, if I can take the risk out of high impact and just get the benefit, well, I could solve this problem for everybody. And so that's what I did and uh, created a series of medical devices that compress bone in the positions one would normally absorb high impact. And by doing so, uh, it's very low risk and you can address bone loss, uh, provided it's, it's the right candidate. So you have to have the right nutrients in your body after I have the right building blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, so like, like 20 out of 20 studies, uh, on vegans show that vegans rapidly lose bone density. Mm. Uh, and, and so, you know, you, you don't, you can't, you can't really do it as a vegan, as a vegan, you're, you're kind of just falling apart. I, I think veganism is going to go down in history like anorexia and bulimia. <laughs> um, I, I'm serious. It, it's just, it's just such malnutrition. Um, we just you know, lost I, about uh, 0.1% of our listenership. If you would like to listen to ad-free episodes and have access to daily and weekly releases, essays, and other membership perks, and you also want to help in the production of this program, go to realclearpodcast.com and click subscribe. There are a lot of places in this world where you can put your money, and so I thank you for considering membership to realclearpodcast.com. The, uh, no, I actually, actually there's, I, I help vegans all the time. I, I created a product, an, another product called Fortigen, which helps them get the essential amino acids that they cannot get from plants. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is made with bacterial fermentation, so it still doesn't harm any animals. Uh, bacteria lives its full life. And then, uh, it's byproduct is, uh, the essential amino acids. And so like that can really help vegans, uh, gain muscle and build bone. But yeah, the problem is the building blocks just aren't in vegetables. Yeah. yeah. Like I no use, matter how yeah. much kicking and screaming vegans want to do, no matter how, you know, they keep screaming meat is murder or whatever. It's like, yeah, but you're dying of malnutrition if you don't have animal protein. And we're also killing off a large swath of, um, uh, toilable uh, soil in, in the world by doing monocrop uh, death yeah. to the planet. <laughs> oh, oh and I, I, how about this one? Um, Seven billion animals are killed every year for the sake of vegetable farming. Mm. Now, and, you know, they're, they're ground squirrels, they're gophers, birds are poisoned, you know, by the thousands. When they fly into a cornfield, they have poison seeds in, in little cups above the stalks. So they eat those and, you know, then they, they kind of rake them up, you know, the next morning, uh, just piles and piles of dead birds. So, and, and here's the ultimate problem. I know we, we went a segue on, on uh, you know, vegan veganism or logic of vegetables, like any species that is growing is going to be taking resources, whether it be just, plain real estate, I mean, like literally acres, 
or water or something, you're taking it away from something else. So, you know, if uh, you have a population explosion of mice, well, the next year you have a population explosion of snakes. Because mm-hmm. snakes eat the mites and, you know, all of a sudden there's an abundance of snakes. So it's like nature has a way of balancing itself out. But when it comes to people, uh, those rules don't necessarily apply to us. And as long as we keep growing humanity, as long as we keep making more people, we're going to need more fields and destroy more habitats. We're going to need to kill more animals and like, the idea, yeah, veganism is, is, for the sake of saving animals, is just like living in California and driving an electric car and thinking you're doing something. Mm. Uh, because your electricity is probably coming from the coal-burning power plant. Which we so, only have because we've closed down almost all of our nuclear yeah. plants in California and we want to rely right. on electrical. Yeah, so. we won't have nuclear here, and so we have coal. But because people don't see smoke coming out of their tailpipe, they think, aha, I'm saving the world. No, when you plug it in, you're still getting energy that was, that was, der- that was derived from uh, petroleum-based product, you no. know, whether it's coal shale or whatever. Like, no, so Doctor, I said I wouldn't it, take it, you down the political realm, but you are surely tempting me. <laughs> It's, but it's one of those things where out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. If I don't see anything coming out of my tailpipe, yeah. I must be saving the world, and that's just pure yeah. ignorance. Yeah. Um, now, if you live in France, you are actually making an impact because in France, 100% of electricity is nuclear. Yeah, so, you know, one thing that comes to mind for me as you're describing this is that you're, um, you're painting a context for some of the uh, health problems that you've been trying to help the country remediate, yep. you know, and so you had mentioned earlier that really men are becoming much weaker and yes. the, the stats on it, I'm, I'm only in a cursory way, um, familiar with these statistics, but from my recollection, they're rather stunning. Could you say a bit about yeah. the uh, weakness in men that's growing? <clears throat> well, men with each generation, there's less and less testosterone. I think we have something like 35% less testosterone than the men in World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that will yield greater heart problems. I know there's probably some know-nothing idiot that thinks less testosterone is a good thing. But, uh, I mean, shocking news, uh, testosterone doesn't really make you aggressive at all. Uh, that's a myth. It, it's more like, uh, it's your ability for your cardiac muscle to function correctly. Your heart's a muscle. Yeah, and most uh, when you have a testosterone that, yeah. deficiency, yeah, you could, you could have some serious, uh, cardiovascular problems when you're, you know, in your thirties. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, it's a little bit being ignored. Um, but it's a thing if you keep up on it. Uh, when it comes yeah, we're, to we're getting... the capacity for people to avoid metabolic syndrome, which then sprouts yeah. a host of, like, so it's a botanical garden for other health problems. I mean, testosterone right. seems like it's maybe not a first factor, but at least a second or a third factor, wouldn't you say? Oh, it's a first factor for sure. A first factor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because. 
if you can't gain muscle, it's hard to have an efficient metabolism as a man or a woman. And, and it's, it's the, the problem is that the nutrition is so bad. We have so many, uh, nutritional choices that drive higher estrogen, uh, which then, you know, can, can suppress testosterone. Um, you know, like, like soy, like men shouldn't eat anything with soy. Like there's been argument women shouldn't either, but, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just very damaging. And, and it's, I, I think when, when we react to news about nutrition, it goes through sort of the woke filter to determine, you know, should we care about this? Is this really a problem? Or is this sort of better? And I, and I think um, men getting weaker is generally seen by the, uh, I mean, never mind the fact it's going to make every man live shorter life. Uh, the two greatest drivers of long life are being lean and being strong. That is uncontested in, in clinical literature. That's so interesting because I've run into so many people who believe that the uh, longevity key for men is uh, mild muscle mass and leanness. Yeah, there's the, that's just false. I mean, it's been disproven in pretty much every piece of research on the subject. But, you know, every once in a while there's some self-appointed guru who, you know, is a male but weighs 90 pounds. And he says that and everybody's like, well, look at him. And yeah, well, look at him is not really a, it's not, it's not a scientific analysis. <laughs> you know, like uh, there are, there are, NF, there are NFL players that ended up in the hall of fame that were alcoholics in their entire career. They didn't get in the hall of fame because they drank a lot. They got in the hall of fame despite drinking a lot. Mm-hmm. So just because someone goes out and does something doesn't mean that that's part of their success. Yeah. People often confuse correlation with causation, of course. Yeah, well, especially especially when it comes to what they want politically or what they want emotionally, which really, in the in clown world where we live today, uh, people's attitudes are really driven by their emotions. Like, there's there's no intelligence towards any decision making. <laughs> uh, it's just beyond me what's happening. I, I tell people not to pay attention to politics. Uh, because you can only do something about it when it's time to vote. So just, just I actually just did put put a video on, on Instagram where I told people like create something, do better at your job, work on self improvement. And when you know, when the election comes along, if you don't like what's been happening, you've got to let everybody know who's part of that group that they suck and they shouldn't be in office and vote for the other guy. I don't care who the other guy is. I'm trying so hard not to jump headfirst into what I know. I'm sure the listeners are kind of on the same page. Uh, who, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, it, it's it's um, I can I can always say like like people are a product of their environment. Like a lot of people who end up on one side of politics or the other, lots to do with their parents, what their parents taught them, mm-hmm. what their parents told them was true, whether that's true or not. Uh, it remains to be seen depending on what it is, but I think ultimately, um, not a lot of people switch sides in their life. Hmm. 
they tend to be on one side or the other. I, I really see the two sides as really optimistic um, opportunity takers versus a victimhood mentality. So this really is germane to the major thrust of the conversation here because, you know, you have um, produced a product, you've invented a product that yep. requires immense momentary bursts of committed energy. And That's right. I mean, I, God, I used to uh, weight lift so hard, you know, 120 pound dumbbells and climb press, you know, all that kind of thing. And I could still probably, yeah. you know, throw that kind of weight up. But with my uh, age, I'm just about 40 here. Uh, that does real havoc on my rotator cuff and other things. Of like course. That, you know, and so when I found X3, I was skeptical, right? Resistance bands. And, you know, I'm like, no, no way. Okay. So, but then I start researching Jayquish Biomedical and I look into the fact that you've been a professor. Are you still doing research at a uh, professorial position? Yeah. Okay. And which I university am. are you associated with? Rushmore University. Here at Rushmore. I'm a research professor at Rushmore University. Okay. And so I started to look at some of the uh, research that you had originated and produced behind this and I decided to go for it. And my experience was, A, it was the most intensive workout I'd ever had, period. Um, you know, in, in the going from, I'll let you describe the, how this works, but um, in, in, in summary uh, to proceed your description, X3 is a resistance band exercise plate and bar that is essentially an entire gym in a bag. And That's right. uh, you can upgrade it with growth hormone stimulator plates, which I've done. And you've got a, f a few other features that people can upgrade with. And there's multiple sizes of bands, like four or five sizes of bands, depending on your strength level. And That's right. you go to, you do one set to complete failure for each muscle group. And let me tell you, anyone listening, um, if you have enough dedication and drive, if you've got enough uh, uh, ambition to, to master adversity in your life, this is an unbelievable tool. Um, I'll tell you a few things that I've been interested in talking with you about. I, I really like the way you worded that, by the way. You're right. It's, uh, it's the hardest workout of your life. It just only takes 10 minutes. Yeah. And you will grow. You will see development. You will see your body changing from an average body or let's say you're out of shape from an out of shape body to an athlete's body very, very quickly, like far quicker than with standard standard weights or standard fitness approaches. I was skeptical, but I saw yeah. changes after two months. Uh, that's yep. where, you know, and I've, I've got a weightlifter's body and core, so I advance maybe quicker than many people, um, sure. uh, sort of enhancing things that have been, you know, to some extent subterranean mm -hmm. for a little while. But um, mm -hmm. I'll tell you what I noticed, and I wanted to ask you about these things. Um, I noticed that if I wasn't well hydrated, I, I knew instantly as, start as, as soon as I started doing sets on X3. And unlike any other exercise, 
I was almost after um, rep 10, I was parched and needed to hydrate. And I've mm-hmm. never experienced anything like that with another workout regimen. It was, it's unique to X3, at least for me. I can go on and do, you know, a set of barbell deadlifts or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and, you know, go for a jog. And if I'm not perfectly hydrated, um, I, 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 maybe I notice it a little bit, but with, with, with X3, it was like a fluid pump instantly. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if you, if that was something other people, uh, described to you. Oh yeah, definitely. Other people have noticed that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're 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 demanding like incredible uh, forces go through the body, and the body's got to be ready for it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad to know it's not just me. I don't have some sort of sodium no. imbalance. No. Now, the other thing that I noticed is you're going to complete failure. And for all the folks listening, uh, you know that this means until you cannot literally move, right? Your muscles are quivering. You are like at uh, place zero, you can't go even to level 0.5. And then that's failure for a muscle group for that one set. I I don't tend to notice that I'm incredibly sore the next day, like traditional weightlifting. No, uh, soreness is actually inversely related to growth. Now that's a total reversal of what most people hold to be true. Absolutely. Can you explain yeah. to the audience why that is? Uh, well, so, I mean, m- most of what is in fitness um, didn't come from sports performance research. It came from some guy who was fit who said something and put it in an article or a book. Uh, you know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger used to say, there's a certain type of exercise you can do. Uh, which will stretch out your rib cage and make your pectorals and all upper body muscles larger because you're making your rib cage bigger. <laughs> now, that is so laughable. But when he said it back in the 1970s, I don't think there was enough research to refute it. And also, bodybuilding was considered so kind of weird and out there. Like, no, nobody, nobody said that's ludicrous and wrong. And I think we sort of continued not really calling the question so many of the things in standard fitness. Um, the idea that when you lift weights, you're tearing the muscle fibers. And then when you recover, you rebuild them stronger. That, that is not how it works at all. That is nonsensical. Um, what happens is you fatigue the muscle cells and they are signaled to grow in one or two of two ways. Uh, either, either myofibril growth, meaning the density of the cell or sarcoplasmic growth, meaning the contractile fuel, which is held within the cell. Um, X3 stimulates both to the absolute highest degree. So, um, when, when I come across these, these, these silly comments, like tearing your muscle fibers, there's a lot of research on it. And it shows that if you have any muscular damage at all, the protein synthesis you go through repairs the damage and brings you right back to where you were. 
So if you're sore after a workout, you didn't grow for shit. Hmm. Hmm. It's only when you're not sore. So like, you know, sometimes it's, you do first workout after taking a long break from working out yeah. and everything's sore. Yeah. It's really, that's just your body kind of like it took, took on some damage because it wasn't accustomed to that. And it's the, it's once you stop being sore now, because these foolish people were chasing soreness, this is where another stupid theory came from muscle confusion theory, meaning, and, and this is like a direct quote from uh, another, another point of just terrible, terrible science from, uh, from Arnold Schwarzenegger, where he said, you have to shock the muscle into growing. So you need to always be changing your workout and giving it something different so it can, it can respond. Oh, that is just nonsense. And there's a position stand paper done by the American College of Sports Medicine showing that if you stick to the same workout month after month, year after year, you will grow much faster than if you change your workout all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, so many of these things, which are, maybe some of the most uh, prolific or at least in practice prolific things that are said about fitness are all wrong. The uh, old adage, you've got to keep your body guessing is nonsense. Keep it right. Yeah. It's like, sorry, physiology doesn't work that way. Like when you're, when your central nervous system decides to create growth in a muscle, it's not because your body's confused. It's quite the opposite. It's because your body notices a habitual environment that is challenging to survive in. Therefore, changes are made. That's the whole process of adaptation. So consistent, challenging environments create adaptations. Like just random haphazard environments uh, trigger changes Mm -hmm. in nothing. It follows a general principle in life, which is, um, uh, extends beyond weightlifting, you know, which is that consistency and practice lead to results. Right. Right. You're not going to be a better musician if one day you play the violin, the next day you play the piano, the other day you're on drums, electric guitar mm-hmm. is on Thursday. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you, you will be a shitty musician. Right. <laughs> but if you just sit down at the piano get a piano instructor, get a couple of books of music, learn how to read music. You can probably get good at that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and you, you've um, compiled and and originated research in this field. So for the listeners to be reminded, um, you're coming at this from a scientific standpoint. These are not just opinions. Every, every single thing I say is backed up by sometimes hundreds of uh, references and uh, I wrote a I wrote a best-selling book called "Weightlifting is a Waste of Time." Uh, it's a Wall Street Journal bestseller. That's the bestseller list that actually has to do with book sales. Mm-hmm. The New York Times, you love this. The yeah. New York Times uh, list is is uh, handpicked. Yeah, it's political. So you'll notice, yeah, it's political. Like every book is on some sort of woke subject. Mm-hmm. Like, and and my publisher told me you're a white straight male. You're not going to get on that list no matter how many books you sell. Well, you know how and, your, uh, your statement yeah. there is going to be spun. It's that you're, claim, yeah. you're claiming oppression. Yeah, of course. 
the Wall Street. When you watch, when you watch, society today is really the victimhood Olympics. It's just like who can be justified in bitching and complaining the most, and whoever can claim that title or you know appoint themselves champion uh, and feel comfortable about it, like seems to win the day. And at some point. It's, we've already we've already changed back. I think because you know, like uh, <clears throat> certain people are being picked because of their status from certain jobs, and then you know, the White House press secretary, for example, she doesn't know what inflation is. Mm. Like she was asked a few different direct questions. Now she's also a press secretary, so she's reading off the talking points. But I'm I'm. It's beyond concern. It's just like, like, what have we done? Well, this is, we have, it, again, so germane like, to X3. We have an entire White House staff that actually thinks that taxes will somehow fix inflation. Now, let me add to that. Uh, I don't know if you remember the um, economist, uh, Ocasio-Cortez, uh, Senator uh, Oh, right. When when Amazon was uh, planning to move to New York City. Right. um, Oh, this is a perfect example. I'm so glad you're bringing this up. Yeah, and she has an undergraduate degree in economics. economics. And she said that they could take those revenues and put them elsewhere. (laughs) Yeah. Well, she said, said, well, you know, with the money – you know, that was, uh, I, I think she said with, with, with the Amazon money, instead we're going to invest it in parks. The Amazon money doesn't and, exist without the capital investment. <laughs> yeah, like if Amazon doesn't move there, you don't have any money. Right, exactly. There is no money. Like what money are you talking about? It's right. Amazon's money and it's, they're going to pay taxes if they're in New York. But if you tell them you don't want them in New York because you're tired of greedy corporations being in New York, Great, New York can go back to being a slum, and everybody can locate their company somewhere else. Mm. So you know, this again is—I uh, think you're you're painting a picture more of an uh, a credo, which is a taking of responsibility that is um, woven into uh, taking control of your fitness. So fitness is a metaphor in life for your life. So like if you can control your body, you can control outcomes in your professional life and in your personal life because it's a challenge. Uh, it requires willpower. It requires dedication. It requires really paying attention. Like if you want all your abs to be visible, you can't just tune out for a day and eat potato chips. Like you just can't. God damn it. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's okay. If you knew what was in potato chips, you wouldn't want to eat them anyway. Um so I mean just a chemical shit storm. So like um I I noticed that as people get fit, they tend to get promoted at work or their you know, their company, uh let's say they, or they start a company. Like it's the discipline it gives you, the the mental focus. Like you can do anything if you can get in shape. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
I think we, now we're talking about like sort of the woke people. They're kind of lost souls. I don't, I don't think, I don't think you can help most of them because they're so conditioned and making excuses. Uh, but for the rest of us, which is the vast majority, by the way, like just because the woke people are the loudest doesn't mean they're the majority at all. Um, <clears throat> most people just want to live a happy life. And, and so if they're paying attention and we give them the right tools and right information to get in shape and you're going to see m- mental shifts all over the place to towards entrepreneurship towards uh building just excelling yeah like like you want like whatever happened to wanting to be better it, mm. it's almost like you're an asshole if you want to be better than everybody else or better than you were yesterday <clears throat> but uh yeah I, I i miss the days when uh people would actually compete at work mm. you know where where are the salespeople that are all trying to break the record and, uh, you know, they're out there, but it's it, the, the environments that we've created yeah. professionally and even in relationships, uh, you know, they, they've become so challenging. I'll tell you what comes to mind for me um, as you describe this. Uh, you know, I think there are, there's truth in what you're saying. There's wisdom in it. Is that there has been this... Um, this cultural shift in this country where optimization and being the best you can be has somehow been paired with shame. Yeah. And, or, or greed, like you're greedy. Cause you know, you want to, if somebody asked me like, what's, how much money would I need? You know, if I felt uh, where, where, where would I feel like I'm, I'm done. I, you know, I can live the rest of my life with, you know, how I want to live it. And I can just walk away from everything. <clears throat> and I'm like, yeah, I, I've heard that question before. And I, I don't know if I agree with the premise because the premise is based on the idea that you're supposed to get sick of being productive. Like, why, why is that a problem? Hmm. Like we should, we should want to be productive. In fact, statistically, when you stop being productive in life, like when you get closer to retirement or you retire, a lot of people die because they have no purpose. Right. That's true. They retire and like two weeks later, they just, you know, they're like found dead in a rocking chair on their porch. Yeah, and it's just, and I, I actually know like a few of my dad's friends like that happened, and they were really. So my dad's a scientist and an engineer, and he worked uh, for NASA and did a bunch of awesome things. But he worked with a lot of guys who, like they, their work was like the majority of their brain was like dedicated to what they did, their engineering projects. Uh, my father was one of the guys who put the the, the lunar rover on the moon. Mm. And it worked. Uh, yeah, but a lot of these guys, like, they retired, and then they just died. 
because they had no purpose. You know, I used you to have, to have a, a purpose. I used to work in a California prison when I was a prison psychologist for about a year and a half. I used to do a lot I of thought that was fascinating. <laughs> it was. I've got some stories. You know, and, uh, I talked about a few of them with uh, Jay Reed Malloy uh, in a previous episode. He's a you know eminent um, forensic psychologist yeah. colleague. Um, but you know what comes to mind for me now is that uh, the custody officers would die on average two years after retirement. You know, we have to stay active, and in terms of things like dementia and so forth. You have to be cardiovascularly in shape and you have to challenge your mind. Well, you can't challenge your mind by drifting into mediocrity perpetually. And so there's the cultural problem is that to the extent that we are inhibiting ourselves from ascending to the fullest extent that we're able to ascend to as individuals, then you're not optimizing your brain or your body by definition because you're inhibiting right. those things by the use of... Um, uh, deferential shame, you know? And so mm -hmm. when you step onto the plate for X3 and for other workout uh, regimens, you better be ready to, to go for it. You know, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. sort of, I think that's the tie in is that workout. Uh, and you know, I've known this from a very young age because athletics, frankly, was life-saving for me. I mean, before I had the capacity to reflect on my emotional states, before I ever was in therapy, before I ever became a psychologist, the way that I was processing the happenings of life was through fitness, frankly, and reaching as far as I could go and going as hard as I could go was totally religious. And I feel yep. so terrible uh, for yep. the young people today and for the adults um, who have somehow um, endeavored to retard that most um, essential of human strivings. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is it's relevant. Uh, fitness Completely. is almost a uh, weather vane for other more tectonic yeah. cultural shifts, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, it, what's so great about fitness is everyone who has it earns it. Uh, you can't inherit fitness. Even, even the genetic differences from athlete to non-athlete. Uh, I, I, I go through that in about 10 pages of my book. Um, all of them can be defeated. All of the genetic differences, uh, and, and basically athletes have a more aggressive tendon and ligament layout in their bodies. Like, like these are the people, the people, you know, the guy who like started working out for like six months in high school, put on 50 pounds of muscle and now is in the NFL. And you're like, how come I didn't gain? Like, you know, in that, in that same period of time, most of the guys in the gym put on like a pound of muscle. They're just looking mm -hmm. at this guy like, what did he do? And the answer is he did the same thing you did. But he has longer levers within his, in the inside of his body, where his tendons mm -hmm. are hooked to bone. So, you know, when he bench presses, he uses more of his pectoral tissue and takes more tissue to fatigue. Mm -hmm. That fatigue will yield growth. Whereas most people, the only point of fatigue they get to is really irritating their joints okay. because they don't have any, any, leverage of course this is all defeated with variable resistance variable resistance is is what now 
that's what X3 is. X3 changing the resistance, resistance mm-hmm. as you as you move. So the resistance gets higher when you get to more powerful positions, lower when you get to weaker positions. But then when you use diminishing range, so like like you were saying in the very beginning, going through the set of exercises so that by the, your last repetition may only be one inch mm-hmm. because you can just barely move. Now, is that related to the curve of the muscles? Yes, they all have a strength curve. Um, pull, some pulling muscles are a little different, and I detail that in the book too. Like a bent row has a very different power curve than mm-hmm. a bench press. Yeah. But um, you can you can still attenuate that very easily with, uh, yeah. with, with the X3 or with other approaches to variable resistance. So uh, I want to give people, I suppose my goal is wanting to give people the ability to control their body. Most people look at their health and they see it as chaos, totally out of control. No matter what they do, no matter how much they work out, they don't get better or they get worse. And they just don't understand why they're told to eat the wrong stuff. They're given bad exercise advice. I know women that have done cardio for 10 years. They started overweight and they're still overweight. And, and they're like, they haven't changed at all. And I'm, there's 40 years of research explaining how cardiovascular exercise will keep you as fat as possible, as long as possible, but it will sacrifice muscle. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Cardio is, to me, there's no such thing as cardio. It's just really awful strength training that doesn't make you any stronger. It's ineffective strength training. Um, It's not like your body has like another gear it puts itself in when you do strength type exercise versus endurance type exercise, you're still contracting muscle. You're still moving. <laughs> it's just right. by, by stressing blood flow, you have a, uh, an upregulation of cortisol that stays upregulated in a downregulation. Now, by the way, there's no such thing as bad hormone. I just want to make that clear for the listener because a lot of people think cortisol is bad. Cortisol is great unless it goes up and stays up mm-hmm. and, and, and growth hormone kind of cancels out its effects. So like when somebody's fasting, their cortisol goes up, but their growth hormone goes up even higher. Mm-hmm. So it really doesn't tend to have that effect. But what cortisol does when you do cardiovascular exercise is it gets rid of muscle tissue mm-hmm. and it preserves your body fat as long as it possibly can. So it does the exact opposite of what people think it does. Hmm. Yeah, so. And which is why you probably know a ton of cardio people who uh, have very little muscle mass <clears throat> and they're still not really lean. Yeah. Well, they're what I, you I have, call sure. skinny fat. Yeah. Right. Like they're flabby, but they don't weigh a lot. Now, again, conventional wisdom is a ton of cardio helps your cardiovascular system, helps your uh, veins be free of cholesterol and other plaque-forming things and so forth. Yes, that's true of strength training. That's not particularly true of cardiovascular uh, or like endurance-type exercise at all. Uh, In fact, there's a meta-analysis that I refer to in the book that has a 
hundred different reference points that are factored in to the systematic review. So there's like a hundred papers that all say that strength training is either equal to or superior than endurance type exercise for cardiac health. Mm -hmm. Now here's where people get confused. I'm a very muscular person. I have 7% body fat. I'm six feet tall and I weigh 240 pounds. And your age? Um, and I'm 45. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm like the size of a lot of NFL players. So if I run up three flights of stairs, I'm, I'm sucking wind because my legs are thick, they're giant. Like when blood has to flow to those legs, that's like a, you know, 1970s Formula One engine, you know, like an eight liter V12. Like it's sucking a lot of gas. Mm -hmm. And in, for the purposes of what we're talking about, it's blood. My quadriceps need an incredible amount of blood. So I seem like I'm out of breath. And I was with a guy that I used to work with uh, in the Munich airport. I don't know if you've ever been to Munich. But the airport is like the airport of stairs. Like you run up and down the stairs like three times when you're changing flights in Munich. So I used to do a lot of business in Moscow. And uh, United doesn't fly to Moscow. So I'd have to switch to a different airline, you know, Austrian Air or something to get to Moscow. So I always switch to Munich. <clears throat> and um, it was... Always with the same airport, always with the same guy. And this, this guy he's traveled with, really slim British guy. And he said to me, he's like, your cardio is terrible. Like, you're always out of breath when you're running up and down the stairs uh, here at the Munich airport. And I'm like, no, 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 no. My cardio is amazing. It just looks like it's bad because my body is designed for explosiveness. No. Every muscle is big. It's designed to deliver a lot of power. For a short period of time. Now, in terms of your blood panels, what do they look like? Can I ask? Yeah, they're perfect. <laughs> You're not just I mean, now, no, no, like I, my physician says to me, I, I have a, a traditional Western doctor as my regular general practitioner. It's not, it's never a guy I take any advice from because he's so backwards, but I, I like his feedback because it shows me where the medical community is. Um, so like, like he says to me, first of all, he tells me I'm obese. Like you can see visibly, you can see veins in my abdominals. And he's like, oh, you're, you're obese, 240 pounds, six feet tall. That's, that's too heavy. And I'm like, can you point to where the body fat is? And he just looks confused. Like he doesn't know what to say. Well, I have that all the but time. He knows if you look at like certain Here's charts for me, he says, yeah. "Wow, he does. He does a you know a bunch of uh, you know he does like an echocardiogram on me, and he says uh, you're know, the heart of a marathon runner. Do you run marathons?" <laughs> and I look at him, and I'm like, "I'm 240 pounds. What do you think?" So really, this is and your your cholesterol is fine, but you may have some different views on cholesterol. Um, yeah, uh, the higher your cholesterol, your, your quote, bad cholesterol, the higher your bad cholesterol is, the longer you live. So everything you were told about cholesterol is bullshit. You're kidding. Um, what about, um, nope. what about say, um, the complex lipid profiles? You're looking at like L, you know, 
the density of lipids and, and so forth. Does that hold any weight? No. Um, think about it this way. Your LDL, your low-density lipoprotein, this is considered bad cholesterol, is highest when you fast. Hmm. When you eat nothing, it's at its absolute peak. Higher than if you were just eating, you know, fried eggs mm. <laughs> with butter. And the reason is you are ingesting your own body fat. So, of course, it goes up. But saying LDL is bad, it, I mean, in this context, saying LDL is bad is like saying weight loss is bad for you. Mm. So if your LDL skyrockets when you're doing something that makes you healthier, then is LDL good or bad? Hmm. In terms of um, traditional mm. blood panels, is there anything on there that you do view as instrumental that is sort of conventional wisdom? Repeat that question. Yeah, so it's a little confusing there. Is there anything that um, is straightforward on conventional blood panels that people can trust? Triglycerides. You do not want high triglycerides. Mm hmm. Okay. Because uh, it's the inflammation within the arteries that collects the LDL, the low-density lipoprotein. It's they, the LDL stick to those points mm -hmm. and become blood clots. Ah, okay. Now let's um, let's create a little bit of a summary for people here. If you were to tell uh, the average American, and let's 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 speak to men first. If you were to tell the average American man what he could do to turn around his mindset on fitness, what he could do for fitness and health and lifestyle, what would it be? I just, I got one suggestion. I can only say oh. one thing. <laughs> you can say anything you'd like, but if you've got, say, okay. a, a, you know, a top collection of things, um, maybe a, a little summary, maybe a bullet point for, for men. Yeah, I would, say, I would say nutrition comes from animal protein and anything else is a garnish. Mm -hmm. like, like the whole idea, like vegetables are so good for you. There's no study that proves that. Um, antioxidants are not needed if you're not oxidizing. Oh, I'm going to have to have a uh, totally different type of nutritionist uh, and expert on here for, for balance so that people won't accuse me of collusion. <laughs> you know who you should have on is uh, Dr. Sean Baker. Okay. Um, uh, he's he's uh, kind of a – he wrote the, the carnivore diet. Mm -hmm. He's just meat and water. That's all the guy consumes. Can that really and, be healthy? Uh, Say it again. Can that really be healthy? Just me. Absolutely, the most healthy thing you can do. Absolutely. I'm. I'm really not versed in this research, so I'm. I'm so. I'm in the group of people who's intrigued by that and has a, a curious sure. and a eyebrow raised and wanting to learn more. Right. So, hey, look. Look at this way. I mean, if I could eat ribeyes the rest of my life, you know, hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. I mean. But okay, let's 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 look at some of our instincts. When's the last time you saw a kid that liked vegetables? Well, hardly ever. That's true. Never. You've never seen that. K 
kids want to immediately spit vegetables out. They have no trouble eating the meat, though. Why is that? Like, we have an instinct for nutrition. Like, plants have phytotoxins. The way a plant keeps you from eating it is it gives you a low-grade poison. So you don't eat much of it. Now, a deer, for example, is 30,000 times more resistant to phytotoxins than humans are. Which is why they can eat plants all the time. Um, but ultimately, plants are defended with, with these phytotoxins. And the reason we need, the reason we think we need antioxidants is because some of these poisons have antidotes that are other poisons. That's what an antioxidant is. So you can balance out poisoning yourself in one way by poisoning yourself in a different way. And by the way, we don't have the balancing mastered. So basically everybody's just fucking that up high, white, and handsome all day, every day, unless you're not bothering with anything with phytotoxins like me, for example. And you eat so basically I, just beef. I, I eat animal protein and that's it. No kidding. That's all you eat. Yeah. Yeah. I had some salmon this morning. Uh, I'm going to have uh, probably half pound of duck. At about noon, and then um, I got two lamb shanks for dinner. Are you not suffering? I'll tell you that. Nope. <laughs> well, I'm intrigued by this. I mean, if I could, if I could eat delicious uh, cuts of meat all day, and uh, you know, what a, what a delight! Is there some canon of literature that the listeners could turn to if they wanted to verify your claim there? Yeah, the carnivore diet. Okay. Or the carnivore code. Mm -hmm. Um. The, that's Dr. Paul Saladino mm -hmm. uh, and Dr. Sean Baker. Those are those uh, their two books. Um, Saladino's a little more extreme. Like he um, he likes fruit. He adds fruit into carnivore nutrition, but he's uh, I don't think he has those ratios quite right. Like there is a small benefit to having a little bit of carbohydrates. I'm talking twenty to fifty grams. And just, just mm -hmm. so people understand, a small Snickers bar is 30 grams of carbohydrate. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, my carbohydrates are done pre-workout, immediately pre-workout, and I take them in the form of glucose tablets. Mm -hmm. Okay, So, so I get immediate tablets. usage, uh, which goes back into rehydrating the musculature. So your, your bullet points for men, basically animal protein... And what else? Yeah, you want to get one gram per pound of body weight. Um, and once you eat that, even if you supplement with something like uh, the product I developed, Fortigen, there's still there's no room in your intestines for other stuff. Once you realize how much animal protein you need, there's just there's not room for anything else. Um, very low carbohydrates. I. I used to be like a zero carbohydrate guy, uh, but I realized that's pretty unrealistic. Like people, they can do low carbohydrate. You know, they, they can eat like one sweet thing a day. You know, they have, you know, a couple of apples before their workout or something like that. They, they can do that. You know, you want to do it right before your workout or right after your workout. Mm -hmm. uh, because that's really when your body is taking those carbohydrates and using them. But if you're sedentary, if you don't do like hard strength training, 
you should have zero carbohydrates. You have no use for them at all. The only thing they will do is get your ass fatter. That's it. <laughs> okay. Is there a third bullet point write from that? that down. Yeah. Carbs get your ass fatter. Uh, so you need yeah. to be able to work out hard. Uh, and is there a third bullet point for men? Just trying not to plug my own product here, but uh, it works really well. Like, just focus on strength training. Mm-hmm. I think it's fine plugging your own product. I mean, that's really why I had you on is that I think people can't spend three hours a day getting ready, driving to the gym, going into the gym, showering after, getting dressed, packing your stuff up and going back to work is a three-hour process, you know? So there are 10,000 times more uh, viruses, bacteria, and pathogens on the typical dumbbell in a gym versus the average public toilet seat. No way. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, gyms are filthy. And I, like, I, I'm, I'm not one of these people who overreacted to COVID. Like, you know, the masks never worked and that's what the research said. And every time some politician would say, we're going by the science, that's how you know they're lying. Because then you'd read the science and be like, wow, you did the exact opposite of what the science said to do. Interesting. Um, but you are like, wanting people like, to know here. That, I mean, you are wanting people to know that if they are uh, concerned about viruses and uh, they're interested in virology and, yes. and so forth, that gyms are discussing. That's been a long-standing yes. uh, knowledge. Yeah, stay the hell out of a gym. Mm. Like, uh, yeah, I, I, I also like. Um, I just don't particularly care for for gym culture. Um, I, I think it's a it's a great way to exchange bad advice with people who know nothing. Um, the CrossFit culture, yeah. Like you go to the gym and you know, people walk up to you and vo- you know volunteer like some advice and it's just like, wow, like you don't even know the definition of the words you're using. It, it's like watching Joe Biden talk, like unreal. Like you don't even know what those words mean, and it's obvious by hearing you stumble over. So we're trying to give people teleprompters here, in other words, teleprompters that yeah. have the facts on them. And what about yeah. for women? Is there separate advice you'd give women? No. It's pretty no, much the same. same. Okay. And, uh, yeah, the expectations with women are, are, are a little different. I mean, women are going to carry a little more body fat um, because, you know, they need, they need breast tissue. Um, a lot of protective places in the, in the body, places that need to be protected are covered by extra layers of body fat. Uh, just, just in case of impact or, or, or something like that. So, um, I, I don't think men should, uh, I don't think women should feel like they're in competition with men. Uh, but the strongest women are the most feminine looking women. Um, and I'm not talking about the drug induced, you know, female bodybuilder look that comes from a hypodermic needle that doesn't come from just lifting weights. Uh, just everybody needs to know that. Now there are some genetic anomalies, I suppose. And I'm really only saying that cause I have to, uh, but really that's bullshit too. Um, you, you just, you're not, you're not going to look like a man if you lift weights and, what happens a lot of times is when, when people start engaging in strength training, their appetite goes up. 
And so like, like so often where some woman will tell me, Oh, I get bigger when I, when I lift weights. Okay. Like men have trouble, you know, quote, getting bigger, or at least noticeably very quickly. So if you notice a size change, it's body fat. And what's really going on, and I'm not nice when I hear this comment, I'm like, what's really going on is your appetite's going up and you're eating cupcakes. And so the reason you think you're, quote, getting bigger is really because you're just getting fatter. And that's not the fault of the weights. It's the fault of your nutritional judgment. So people in those moments would do better to, to choose a larger portion of lower uh, carbohydrate foods, keep themselves plied with better nutrition. Yep. Um, so nothing satiates you more than fat. So I'm a huge fan of butter. Um, you know, I, I get the fattiest cuts of meat and that, you know, it keeps me satiated. I'm full. Like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm suffering at all. Okay. Uh, and, and I'm in incredible shape and, and that can happen for everybody. My fiance does the same thing. Mm-hmm. She's pretty much all meat nutrition and she looks absolutely incredible. Now, and you, you're not on any kind of anabolic help. No. Um, I have testosterone replacement therapy. I have since I was 28 because of a bad rugby hit, Mm. Um, you know, just get hit in the crotch. Mm. Things aren't working like they're supposed Mm. to be. So yeah, I got that prescription, but uh, this is another myth that is, is always present on the internet. Testosterone replacement therapy is replacement. The R means replacement Mm -hmm. as in you're brought to a natural level. Right. So for listeners, you're not given a superhuman level. Right. And so like sometimes somebody will post a picture and some jealous doorknob will say like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of TRT in this picture. You can't have a lot of replacement. Replacement is a set number. So it's between 600 and 1000 nanograms per deciliter in this case. So you can't have a lot of a specific number. (laughs) Like if if you need, if you need five gallons of gas, you can't, you know, that's going to fill your, your tank. It's like, you can't have a lot of five gallons. It's five gallons. It's five fucking gallons. You know, Yeah. for the listeners to uh, to understand this, every man has a blood to testosterone ratio and there's a normal limit for it. So what Dr. Jaquish is referencing here is that that he's got a replacement like many men do where it keeps that level at a normal level. It's not an amplification. It's not steroids. Um, Right. It certainly is a fact. Okay. So, and and, you know, I've, um, I've seen you on X3 and you're in outrageous shape. So, you know, you're walking the walk. Um, this was great advice, I think, for the listeners. And at this moment, my little Black Lab Maverick is uh, pawing at my door telling us our time is up. So, <laughs> Dr. Jaquish, is there anything else that you wish to say that would help the listeners that they haven't heard already? Well, some of these ideas are like... First, for my first invention was for bone density. And if somebody wants to find that, it's called OsteoStrong. There's 106 clinics in 10 different countries. <coughs> um, I think there's a few of them in San Diego, actually. 
Um, so that was the first thing. Second thing was X3. And whereas I applied some similar logic, a much more strategic approach, uh, a much more, a, a much better look at how muscle functions and by looking at how it functions, treating it so that we want it to grow in respect of how it functions. So it functions differently in different positions. So why would you ever work out with a static weight if you know to, if you know that the its out, output capacity is variable? Like that doesn't make any sense at all. And so like people really need to absorb the idea that weightlifting is an awful stimulus. Awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um... and there's just an absolute better way. People don't need to buy my product. You can go to the gym and use chains and uh, bands hooked on bars. You never want to use a band by itself. It'll break your wrist if you're using anything relevant to strength uh, or your ankles. <laughs> but uh, you need you you really need to train with variable resistance, and you'll see that your body is capable of so much that people just never knew. That's a good uh, message of hope that there is potential inside of all of us waiting to be activated. Mm-hmm. Dr. John J. Quish, thank you for joining Thinking Kind Podcast. You're welcome anytime. Absolutely. I, uh, I hope you want me back. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss some of the other things we could uh, talk about at a later date. That's let's, great. Thanks let, for having me. Let's do that. Bye for now. All right. Bye-bye.